be seated. It is so good to have you here this morning. It really is. And I just want you to know this. There is not a single person that's here this morning that's here by accident. I promise you that. And the reason why is because God has some words for you this morning. He really does. Words of encouragement. Words to do some things to you today to get you on a, a path, a course by which so that he might bless you. So he might add to you. And so we want to thank you for that. We want to thank you for being here. And before I continue, I want you to know that I'm, I, look here, I am real pleased with the body of Christ in the city of Fort Collins. Last week, we told you by a decision that our uh, city council had to make concerning nudity in our city. They've been kind of uh, dealing with that for several weeks. And some of the churches got together and we did some things. And let me tell you something. So, uh, the, the city chambers last Tuesday night was packed with people and, and pastors were there and, 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 and people were there. They, they went up and they spoke and I, and I think it had a huge, huge, well, I know it did. It has a huge effect on our city. I think they kind of either voted it down or whatever, something like that. But to see the body of Christ in force like that was just a humbling thing. So I want to thank those of you who came. It was a great time and it was beautiful. Okay. So thank you so much for that. And uh, there are also some other things that we're waiting on. You need to know that we're waiting on a word back from uh, the people that we've uh, put a bid on to get land and 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 all of that good stuff, and we we got a contract uh, on it. Uh, you know, we, we we won't be able to tell you where it is and what's going on until we get some kind of response back. So we thank you for that. We also thank you for the things that you come in and get involved in throughout the week, the, the midweek Bible study, uh, also the discipleship classes that are going on. There's a lot of great things happening in our church, and we so thank you as well. And so I just wanted to thank the Christian body, honor you today and and here's what we want to do now 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 i, I want to thank you for receiving my son last week where we are sharing the pulpit now and he did a good job of introducing to you a book called Haggai, uh, a prophet speaking to a people but here's what i want to say to you as we get ready to get into this now I want to be able to share with you verses 7 through 11 that I think will be real good for you today. And that's in the first chapter. But have you ever been in a situation that you know that the person that's guiding you, let's say parents who guide children and people who are in uh, up under somebody's authority, and you know that the people who are guiding you care for you. You know that they love you. You know that. And God is such a gracious and powerful God that there are two things that he does because, see, there are things in my life that needed what was called course correction. There were some things in my life that I eventually got off base on. And God just didn't swing the hammer and knock me down or, you know, knock me unconscious. He didn't do that. What he did is that he loved me so much that he rebuked me. Now, you're going to understand two words today before we get into this. So I'm going to read you 7 through 11. I'm going to tell you about what Alex talked about last week. We're going to come back and look at two of those cross-references. And then we're going to go back to 7-11. Now, here's what I want you to do. Are there things, let's just say there's one thing in your life today, right now, that you know you need a course correction. Now, the course correction is only there to make you better. The course correction is not coming to somehow make you feel like you're some second-class citizen or something of that nature. That's not the purpose for the course correction. The course correction is say, I need you to get back on track so that I can bless you because if you don't correct this, there are some things that are going to happen as a result 
of you not getting on course, okay? Now, I'm going to tell you what happened to me in my life on that. But what I want to do is set the stage for you because I want you to understand that there are two words that we're going to be looking at today, rebuke and neglect. Now, these are not bad words. I don't want you to see them as negative. But I want you to see them as positive in the sense that you got a God that loves you so much that he so chooses to take his kind, tender mercy and correct you so that you can what benefit from being with us are you are you hearing me today this morning church uh, he, he wants you to benefit he, he, he don't want to pound you he don't want to make you a second class citizen but he wants you to grow now watch this not only does he want you to grow but he wants you to be free he really does he wants you to be free and what he did in my life was miraculous, but he took his time. He just, you know, I just walked out and understand something. If God corrected you and everything he needed to correct you in, you would die. You, you pass out. You really would. Because it'd be too many hits, man. You'd be walking around here like a brother, you know, hip-hopping and stuff. Because every time you look up, you just get hit. People think you're dancing. You're not dancing. God is just slapping you around a little bit. But he does it very carefully. And he's talking to these people. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to, first of all, tell you what it's saying, verse 11 through 7, okay? The second thing we're going to do is we're going to tell you who it's talking to and why. And then the third thing we're going to do is tell you how it applies to your life. That's what we're going to do. So you leave out of here with something and say, wow, that's why God's nurturing me. That's why he's nagging me. Why? Because he wants to what? Bless me and he wants to make me free. So let's do this here. Let's go to Haggai. We're going to look at verse 7 through 11. And Alex did a good job of laying uh, uh, down to you last week uh, how the people were brought into exile simply because they had, rebe- that they had taken their eyes off of something. God let them be there for several hundred years. And then he brought them back in uh, to uh, Judah and Jerusalem for to do something that he wanted them to do. So let's look at verse 7 through 11. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the mountains, uh, bring wood and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. And when you bring it home, I blow it away, declares the Lord of hosts. And because, watch this now, that's a big M, my house which lies desolate, while each of you run to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew, and the earth withheld its produce, And I call for a drought on the land and on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, and on what the ground produces, and on men, on cattle, and all the labor of your hands. Now, we're taking the book of Haggai for the next several weeks and and getting it to you all the way up to the first 
of the year, knowing that we're going to be having a Christmas production, a Christmas family Sunday, and all those things. So we'll break for all of that. But 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 I want you to understand the background here. The, the, the background is that there are five prophetic utterances in this book, and we're getting ready to look at one of them from 7 to 11. Now, those prophetic utterances there to what? To speed along the work that God had originally started with these people. Now, let me say something to you. The Bible says that God who started a work in you, listen to me, is going to complete it in the day of Christ. Amen. He's going to complete it. So he started something in you and he's going to complete it. Now, as he started this work with you, there are some things, maybe one or two things, but I know in my life that I got off track on and God wants to bring it back. So in his completeness, he has to come and what? He has to come and rebuke me and he does it with prophetic utterances. Now, the church needs prophets. We have prophets in this church here and we need prophets because prophets bring about a kind of guidance. The prophet says, thus says the Lord, all God wants you to do is get back in your lane. So Haggai is speaking to a couple of people. He's speaking to what? A governor. And he's also speaking to a priest in the name of dealing with the people because he wanted them to get back and rebuild this temple. Now, I want you to know something. God is so involved in our lives as people that he desires for us to realize that spiritual things matter. Now, there may be some things you cannot see in the natural, but there are some things going on in the spiritual that you've got to know that matters to God. And God can take a spiritual thing, move it into what a material thing, because there's a spiritual purpose behind it. Do you hear me? And God is saying this to you. I'm going to say it one more time. God will take a spiritual thing and use a material thing to get something done in your life because what's behind it. Did you get that, church? I want you to understand that. All you got to do is say, yeah, no. If you just look at me, I don't know if I'm communicating, okay? Just tell me something at this point. So uh, that's what he's doing with these people here. Now, that also pertains to us as a church. But watch this. That pertains to you as an individual. That there are some spiritual things going on in your life right now that are manifesting themselves in the physical. And God is behind it so that you can have something to grab on to see something tangible that he's trying to develop in you spiritually. That's what's happening here in Hagar. And, and you also need to know this, that God wanted him to see that a place of worship matters to a nation. A place of worship matters to a people. A place of worship matters to you. You know why? Because you're here today. You're here today because worship matters to you. You're here today because you are hanging out with fellow believers to say, you know what we're doing? Man, we're coming into the house of God and we're saying thank you. We're coming into the house of God and we're saying, God, we are so grateful for what you're doing. So not only do your physical home mean something to God where the spirit dwells in you, watch this, but also your physical home that you came from today means something. But there's also something about God's spiritual house, the church, the house of worship. That means something to him. Church. Did you get that? Okay. That's good. We got five people now. We'll, 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 we'll get some things going on before it's over with. We will. I promise you. Now watch this. Now, now, now what we're going to do is we're going to look at two words and then I'm going to take you to two different sets of scripture. Now what I have to do is line that up for you. First of all, I want to line it up for you. The word rebuke, we're going to go back to the title. We're going to go back to the title. The word rebuke. Now, the word rebuke, ladies and gentlemen, comes from a Greek word. 
Now, the Greek word means this. The Greek word means epitomeo. Epitomeo. You know what that means? It means to put honor to you. Now, I never thought when my parents were whooping my butt that they were honoring me. It just didn't feel right. Okay? But what was happening is when you get rebuked, you've been honored. Now, isn't it beautiful that you got somebody in your life that cares enough about you to get in your face? Think about that. That they love you enough to rebuke you. And rebuke is not a bad word. It means to honor. Okay? So what Hakei is doing as he talks to Zerubbabel, okay, the governor, and as he talks to uh, Joshua, the priest, he is honoring them. God is sending a love letter to them through Haggai. And God wants to send a love letter to you. That's what he wants to do. And it comes in the form of a rebuke. Now, we're going to look at the other word. All right. The other word is called neglect. Now, do you know, folks, you can get in trouble with the law on the issue of neglect. You know, you neglect your kids, you, you, you do certain things, and the kids are vulnerable. They'll get you on pure neglect. Now, the word neglect means something, too. Now, watch this. Now, the word neglect is also a Greek word, emileto, emileto, and here's what it means. It means to be careless intentionally and to ignore on purpose. So, think about this. The rebuke is the honor. I want to let you know that I love you so much that I want to honor you, but I want to honor you in doing it in such a way where there are some things that you have intentionally neglected. There are some things that you have intentionally ignored, but I want to get your attention. Watch this for course correction. That's it. I just want to get you on the right course in this area in your life. Look at, I, I know everybody in here loves Jesus and I, I know you're walking with the Lord. He's not talking about salvation at this point. You know what he's talking about? Sanctification and discipline. That's all he's doing. He said, look at this. Just this one little area. All I want to do is I just want to correct it. I'm not going to blow you out of here. I just want to make you better. You get that, church? Got it. Got to eat now. Man, we're moving. I'm telling you, we're moving. So now, with that in mind, then let's look at these two scriptures. Let's look at them, okay? And the first scripture we're going to go to is 2 Timothy. Watch this. 2 Timothy 3.16. Just, just, just want you to go there with me. 2 Timothy 3.16. Now, I want to read this to you. Here's how it goes. It says, all scripture. So when somebody rebukes you according to the word of God, here's what it says. All scripture is inspired. Now, that word inspired means to breathe. Everybody in here is breathing. I have a breath. My wife has a breath. We don't have the same breath. Now, basically what this means is, is that all scripture Scripture is breathed on by God. That means God is the one who wrote it. 
God is the one who influenced him. There is wind coming across my windpipes right now that's forming words that when I speak, you understand him. Well, when God breathed his word, men understood it, they wrote it, and that's what the word of God came to. It says all scripture is inspired by God. Now watch this, ladies and gentlemen. It is profitable. God wants to profit you. If you want to know God's profitability for your life, just read the word. And when you begin to read it, here's three, four things that are going to happen. You're going to have two positives and you're going to have two negatives. But sometimes it takes negative reinforcements to bring about a positive. Are you with me at all? Because, see, that rebuking, my parents lifting me up off the ground, that was some negative happening to my skin that I didn't like. But it had a positive response. Why? Because I didn't do that anymore. Okay? So you got to understand that there's some negative, you know, enforcements that bring about a positive conclusion. Some of you are saying, what in the world is he talking about? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Now watch it. All scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable. Watch this. For teaching. The word teaching means giving instructions. Now that's positive. Then he says for reproof. Watch this. Reproof is rebuke. That is a negative effect, something going negative to you, because if you have to be rebuked, you just got to understand there's, there's something good about it, but 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 sometimes it, it, it comes across negative. And, 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 but, but, but reproof says what? What am I, well, what am I doing? I, I, I am trying to what? Encourage you. And then it says for correction. Correction is like a bone that is broken, and a doctor don't heal the bone. He just what? Sets it in place so that the bone can heal itself. So that's positive. Now here comes another negative reinforcement, but also not necessarily training is bad, but a lot of times when you train, guess what you have to do? You have to break the muscle down. Now watch this. Correction. Reproof, what else is there? Also, uh, uh, teaching and training. For what purpose? See, when you train, it's because you practice. You do it over and over and over again. Why? Because you practice what? Righteousness. Now, watch this. God will hear a prayer from both unrighteous and unrighteous and righteous people. When the unrighteous man pray, guess what he gets? He gets an answer, but you know what it is? It's rebuke. It's discipline. It's get right, get right, get right. When the righteous man prays, it's get better, get better, get better. Did you hear that, church? He's got to get the unrighteous on the right track, and he's got to take the righteous and get them what? Better. So the rebuke, ladies and gentlemen, is there for a reason because God loves you. He doesn't want to punish you. Watch this. Listen to me. He don't want to punish you. Watch. He wants to punish sin. That's it. He just wants to punish sin. Okay? Even the baby is responding. I love it. You know, you know, out of the mouths of babes, the Bible says. Now, watch this. Now, what I want you to do is you understand rebuke. Now, now, okay, now let's, let's get a good sight of neglect. Okay? Now, here's, here's why this is so important. I want you to turn to Matthew 22. We're going to look at verse 15. I mean, I mean, verse 15 in Matthew 22. Now, this is a beautiful, beautiful setting. 
And the reason why this is so important, because it's going to help you understand 7 through 11 here in just a moment, but we have to set the stage for it. So Matthew 22, starting with verse 15. Now, you got to understand that he's he, he's on the temple gates. He, he is hanging out on, on, on the amphitheater. He's up on a podium, and they'll go to steps. And you got Pharisees, you got Caesar, you got all of these magistrates that in. You got the Jews, and you got all of these folk. You got zealots. You got all kind of people listening to him. And then all of a sudden, they asked him a question. Now, check this out. Verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and counseled together how they might trap him in what he said. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in truth and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their malice and said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Let me tell you, there's sometimes that we test God and to see how much he really loves us. Sometimes we take God for granted and he ain't having it. He says, Show me the corn used by the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius. And then he said to them, now, before I make this statement, let me show you what's going on. Now, you got zealots over here. These are uh, Christians that, that, that cross every T. They dot every I. They're legalists. They want to make sure if this boy is real. Because if he's real, then he is not going to be a sellout to the government. Now, all of a sudden over here, you've got Caesar, you got his proconsul, you got all these Roman soldiers over there in the crowd, and they say if this guy says no to paying taxes, then he's just committed high treason, and we're going to have to wrestle him. So Jesus is in between a rock and a hard spot. See, Jesus was never between a rock and a hard spot. He was just in heaven. He understood. He knew what was going on. So watch his response. Now, I want you to listen to this real close. Listen. Here's what he says. They give him a coin, and then he said this, Whose likeness and inscription is on this? Notice those two words, likeness and inscription. Now, here's what they say. They said to him, Caesar. Then he says to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar, and go and to God the things that are God's. And hearing this, they marveled, and leaving him, they went away. Notice what he said. You need to have honor and respect for the government. You need to have honor and respect that Caesar set this up for you, for you to be able to have protection, for you to be promoted in common wealth, so that you can have common good and common welfare, so that you can, what, create jobs and all that kind of stuff. You need to respect that. Now, I'm not saying that the people in the government is okay, but you need to expect why it was set up. Because his face is on that, his name is on that, then you need to give him what he deserves. Now, watch this. He's also saying whose likeness and inscription is on you. Church, did you hear that? Whose image are you created in? Whose inscription is on your face? When people look at you, do they see the hand of God? Yeah. 
then you give the things that belong to God, God. And you give the things that belong to Caesar, Caesar. Here's what he's saying. You get to the point where you get involved in your own stuff and you neglect mine. Church, you getting this so far? So, so on the one hand, he says, I know that there are things that you're doing over here that are important. Matter of fact, I'm the one that made them important for you. I'm the one that made you successful in life. I'm the one that made you successful in business. I'm the one that gave you the gift. I'm the one that gave you your mobility. I want you to respect that. But let me say this to you. The same effort that you put in respecting your boss, going to work, getting a paycheck, I want you to put that same effort in me. Now you understand why the people in Jerusalem and Judea was getting rebuked. The rebuke was there for course correction. The rebuke was there because God wanted to make them better. But he rebuked them because they neglected the more weightier things. And God so care about you and I. And here's what he's saying. I know you love me. And I love you. I know that you're trying your best to walk the Christian life. I know it. And I know it's hard. I know you got to go to work. I know you got to pay bills. I know you're in a relationship. I understand everything that's going on. But here's what I don't want you to do. Is I don't want you to be so hung up on the moment that you forget the momentum and the movement that I have in your life. Church, did you get that? Good. We got about 15 now. Going good. So now, when you go back and read 7 through 11, now you see that the rebukes come for a good reason. As a matter of fact, here's your purpose statement for the day. See, the believer should Welcome rebuke because it brings course correction and it makes you adequate for every good work. The believer should welcome rebuke because it brings course correction and it makes you adequate for every good work. There is a good work that God is doing in your life. Receive the rebuke. Take it because it's going to make you better. Now, here's how we begin to bring everything home. Now, when you look at verse 7 through 11, okay, now you understand why Haggai came. Now, now you understand why he said what he said. And now you understand why God sent him to say it. And why he said it to the governor and to the priests. Now, before we read it now, this time, are there, or let's just go with the word is. Is there an area in your life today that God wants to make a course correction? Just one. And that he loves you so much that he didn't blow you out 
But he says, I'm going to take this one thing. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to rebuke you in it. You just need to stop it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. And in telling you exactly what to do, I want to warn you that if you don't do it, it's not only going to affect you, but it's going to affect those around you. That's what verse 7 through 11 does. It's going to affect those around you. It's going to cause something to happen to you. It's going to cause something to happen to people around you. And I love you too much to let you stay there. Oh, I, I love you where you are, but I can't let you stay there. Amen, church. I'm so glad he did it to me because he did it to me in my life. I'm closing with that in about five minutes. I'm closing with that. Now, watch this. Check this out. Now, let's go back and read it. Now, 7-Eleven has a different meaning. Here we go. Here's how it reads. Okay? So, you and I know now that God wants to honor us with the rebuke. You and I know now that God does not want us to neglect his affairs now, you know now that all believers should what? Embrace rebuke, okay, just like I embrace the butt whooping from my family. Because there are things that I don't do anymore because I still, at the age of 60-something years old, remember that pain. I still remember it. And it protects me because of the discipline. It protects my family. And it protects you as a church. But there is something else. I want you to hear this one. That church you experienced it today because of my neglect. There's some things that you're experiencing right now as a church because I lacked discipline in an area. And God has broken that. And it's not going to happen anymore. But watch this. Let's, 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 let's hear this so you can get the closing on this thing. Now, when Hagar says, thus says the Lord of hosts, Hagar is acting as an instrument of God, speaking to what? The governor and the priest. And he's, when he says, Lord, he said, man, I am the master. I am the king of kings. He said, I'm speaking not for myself, but I'm speaking for the Lord himself. And then he says, host, that word means army upon armies and all of creation, even though it's held by him, it is also created by him, but it is also entertained by him. All of creation looks at him. All of creation is held by him. And when they see him in his glory, they are drawn to him. They are attracted to him. So that is the one speaking to you, not Hagar, but God himself. And watch this word, consider. Now, the word consider means to think it over. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you and I live in a society that's information rich. The information is not the problem. You know what the problem is? is what we do with the information. So the issue of this, when it says, consider, think it over, watch this, but I want you to ponder it for the sake and the intent of change. So when God tells me something, when my wife and I, Vicky, sit down and we got problems, we're just not gathering information for the sake of gathering it. We're gathering the information because we know a change needs to take place. Church, are you hearing me at all? So I'm gathering information because something's wrong. I got to go a different direction. And so what happens is when Hagar says, consider this, God is saying, consider and ponder something. Now, I want you to grab this one now. Here's what he's saying. He says, consider how you have acted 
and what has happened as a result of where you are now. Consider now, we're just talking about this one little area, how you acted, what you thought, what your behavior was, and you're here as a result of that thinking, and you're here as a result of that behavior. I want you to consider that. Now watch this. When he says your ways, here's what he's saying. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is not coming as a rebuke to beat you down. This is coming as a rebuke to encourage you. Say, God loves you. He gets it. And he wants you to get it. Watch this. He says, consider your ways. What that means. Are you willing to own up? Are you willing to own up and take ownership of the path that you took? Because I took ownership of the path that I took. I, I just, I, I just begin to get off track. I, I begin to say, God, I can handle this. You don't need to. And when I came to the point where I owned the path that I took, I didn't run away from it. And even though I was embarrassed by it, I had to own it. Church, are you hearing me at all? You sure? Now, I got down to two people now, okay? I owned it. Because that's what confession means. See, confession means, comes from the word uh, homo. Lego. Homo means same. Lego means to say. See, when you confess your sin, you say the same thing about it that God says. Not what the world says. <laughs> yeah. And you agree with him. And when he and I lined up and he told me, man, you're wrong. God, you're right that I'm wrong. I owned up to my stuff. And he says, Johnny, just consider where you are as a result of your thinking and your behavior right here. Now, he didn't leave you there. Now, watch this, watch this next verse. Man, this is beautiful stuff here. Now, he says, look, now go up to the mountains. I want to take you to a high place. All right. Then I want you to bring wood. Matter of fact, I'm going to supply what you need. And then I want you to do something. Now, 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 my, my son is in construction management. He's got his own construction company. Now, when he builds something, he's either going to build it from the ground up, lay a foundation, or the foundation is always going to be uh, already laid. And he's either going to retrofit it or he's going to fortify it with the act of rebuilding it. And so when he says rebuild, he's saying, I want you to do what? I'm going to give you the wood. I'm going to tell you where to go. And I want you to reconstruct. I want you to retrofit. And I want you to fortify the temple. Not your home, your body. Not the home that you have, that you live in, but my temple. So I want you to go to bring to build my temple. I want you to do it in my storehouse. I want you to do it in the house of worship. That I may be, watch this, man, I love this. I love this. That I may be pleased. Because I think my parents was pleased that they didn't have to whoop me all the time. But I was pleased for this reason. Because there was something that was corrected in my life. And God is saying, you need to realize that you were created for one reason and one reason only. To please and glorify God. Hallelujah. See, Everybody should have said amen on that one. That's the reason why you were created. You, you think you were created to be a construction person? You think you were created to be a gymnast? You think you were created, created to be a professional football player or whatever or a doctor or lawyer? No, you were created for the purpose of pleasing and glorifying God. Thank you. You're so kind. Got everybody on that one. That was a good one. 
Man, look at we're getting there. We're actually getting there. I'm telling you, God is so good. Come on, people. Come on. And the word please basically means to make acceptable and to be filled with favor. And he's saying, look here, I don't want to be glorified. What? What I want to do is I want to what? I want to appear. I want to make dents. And I want to make numerous, says the Lord of Lords. Let me tell you something. When you realize that you were created to please and glorify God and you live like that, when people see you, they don't see you. They see the glory of God on you. (laughs) Yeah. That means wherever you go, you change the culture. Wherever you go, you change the environment. Now, watch this. We're getting through it. Got a couple more left, and we're going to finish this. I hope you're moving with me. Now, verse 9 is important so you can get 10 and 11. 10 and 11 goes quick. We're going to slow down on 9 for this reason. Look at it. You look for much. You have hope. You have confident expectations, and I have expectations for you. And I'm confident that I can bring them to you. But you have hope. You have confidence and expectation. But I want you to look at it. I want you to take a good look at it. And then, you know what you're going to see? It comes to little. Everybody in this room's got hope. Everybody in this room's got expectations. You stay in a great country, okay, that's losing its greatness because it's taking its eyes off of God. But then here's what he says. You take whatever you get. And guess what? You bring it to your house. You bring it to your own place. And guess what I do, man? <laughs> I blow it away. And that's something. You ever like building those card things? I remember my sister and, and, and my other two brothers, you know, had some twins in my home. And we would build these stick things. We would build these card things. And somebody would just come around and <laughs> blow it. I mean, it, it would make me so mad. Because you, you j- it's kind of like building a sandcastle. Somebody just go dive in it. <laughs> You know, you get frustrated because every time you bring it in, ain't enough there. And he's saying, look now, you need to understand this. And then he makes a big statement. You know why? (laughs) You know why it gets blown away? You know why it don't stand? You know why you bring in a little? Here it is. Because he says, declares the Lord, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, because of my house. That's a big M. That's huge. Because of my temple, because of my storehouse. Now, let me say this again before we leave off of this. He's not talking about you as a temple of God where the Holy Spirit dwells. He's not talking about your home that you go live in when you leave this place. He's talking about his house, a place where you come to worship. And then he gives you the reason. He says this. He says, which lies desolate. Now, that word desolate and lies desolate means that that home is not erected anymore. All that's left is the foundation. Now, think about this before we leave off of the scripture. All right? Think about it. (laughs) When a person drives into a city, they see the erection of buildings. They see the structure of buildings all over the place. They see what? Government buildings. They see business buildings. They see educational buildings. They even see news buildings, media, and entertainment. And God is saying, out of all of those buildings, where's mine? 
So that when they walk into that city, they see this is the place where the saints meet. Church, are you hearing me? God says, I want my temple to be represented in the city because I gave you a home. And in that home is you, and inside of you is my spirit. And I gave you that home for three reasons. I gave you that home so, first of all, there would be safety. So you can go and have a place of comfort. But I also gave you a home so it could be strategic. That's the place where you strategically take care of your family. And you then I gave you that place where I can send you out of that home and you affect the whole community. Now, let me say this to you. Your homes are like that. Guess what? My home is the same. Where you come into the house of God and you worship and there is safety. You come into the house of God and guess what? You strategically reach your community and you come into the house of God because I send you out to the rest of the world. Amen, church? Yeah. Think about that. And he says, here's the problem. You look at it. He says, while each of you run to his own home. You know what he's saying there? That's where neglect comes in. Now, I'm not talking to you about neglect. I'm talking to you about what he's saying to those people in Jerusalem and Judea, who just come back from exile. And here's what he says. Because you got to the place where you didn't care anymore. You got to the place where you neglected my house. Yeah. I'm rebuking you for that. I love you. I want to honor you. Because spiritual affairs mean something to me. That what? Manifest themselves in material things. My temple. My house. My storehouse. Church, are you getting this at all? Okay. Now, here's the last part of this. Okay. Therefore, because of you. (laughs) He didn't say because of them. He said because of you. Two things happen. Watch this. He says, and the sky has withheld its dew. You know what dew, you know what made dew so important? Because in the growing season, the dew was just as important as the rain itself. He said, man, I'm going to withhold that. Okay, you know what else I'm going to withhold? I'm going to withhold its produce. I'm going I'm to withhold the produce from the earth. Now, he's going to describe that in just a moment. But I want you to understand the importance of that. Now, before we go to, you know, uh, 10 and 11, so you'll see it laid out, <laughs> is this. These scriptures are saying that it is very highly possible that national and natural disasters can happen because of the disobedience of man. Now, somebody shared that when the dam broke in New Orleans. The news people just ignored it. Well, these crazy Christians saying that New Orleans is suffering because of all the stuff that's going on. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The Bible tells us that God can punish a land because of his people. That's what happened to Solomon and Gomorrah. Got kind of quiet here, huh? And it's going to happen to America. And so what he's saying is, I'll withhold it. Romans 8 tells us all of creation groans. Watch this for the redemption of man. Let me tell you how serious this is. Let's go to the next verse. 
Let's go to the next verse. 10. Okay. 11. I called for a drought. See, a drought is nothing more than what you would call an abnormal drop in precipitation to where water is less now. He said, water is less. I'm going to call a drought on the mountain where terracing would take place, where when it rained, the water would be held by lakes and little rivers were formed to go down in the tributaries and bless the rest of the land. He says, I'm shrinking that. You know what else I'm doing? I'm going to put a drought on the grain. Now, these are major crops that people grow, three major crops, grain, grapes, and olive oil. That's where they made the money. And when those things shrink up, guess what happens? The price of stuff goes up because there's a famine. And God says, I'm going to cause all of that to shrink. You can't even get drunk anymore because you ain't got enough grapes to squeeze to make wine. <laughs> you can't be merry. Okay? You know what else? Man, you, 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 your food is going to be scarce, man. The, 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 the crops are going to be scant crops. They're going to look good, but they're going to look bad at the same time. They're not going to be a real nice, juicy, ripe apple. And, and, and then what he's saying is the, 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 the oil, the olive oils. Let me tell you something, man. The money that they made off of olives were off the charts. You ever, you ever just go to Safeway somewhere and look at the olive section? Where they got four, five, six different olives, that oil that sets down in there, man, that oil is used for a lot of stuff back in those days. And guess what? He says, man, I'm even going to put a drought on men. I'm going to starve men, and I'm going to starve cattle. And when lifestyle shrinks, and when the support of men, and when men starve, things happen. And on all the labor of your hands, no matter how hard you work, it's not going to give you a good return. Now, that's what he said to the people. Now, I want to say this to you, and I said it to the first service. We find ourselves in the place where we are right now as a church, economically, because of me. Yes. Because of the lack of discipline in my life, economically, and Jesus has suffered from it. And God, after eight weeks of preaching on giving out of God's wallet, convicted me of that sin. Yes. And that has been lifted. Because he had to rebuke me. And this church will no longer suffer because of that financially. Are you hearing me? You're going to be blessed. Now, I share that with you not to be bold and say, okay, no. I share it with you in a very sensitive, humbling way. Because I had to get re-educated about something. I had to. I had to. Now, God is saying this to you. Is there an area in your life that if you don't get a course correction, it's not only going to affect you, but it's going to affect the people around you. Is that what he's saying to some of you today? I don't know. But I know he said it to me. I had to get my life changed. I had to get it right. And not only was it embarrassing, 
but it was an awakening that you need to have a better understanding of this so that that will not become an issue because it affects my family, it affects you. And no longer would that be affected him because God has healed that in my life. <laughs> yeah. I'm free of it. And God wants you to be free of whatever it is. They're stopping it from flowing. Whatever it might be. So here's how we close this thing. Church, did you get that? I mean, I can share this with you, man. I couldn't share that with you four or five months ago. I couldn't even share that with you two, three years ago. I couldn't have, but I can share it with you now. Because I saw where I was off base. And most of it was attitude and grace. That's what most of it was. Okay? So, here's how we close. We're going to bring the worship team up now. Okay? Y'all, come on up. Getting ready to close it. Okay? So, what does it say? We're saying this. It's saying you need to take a look at your situation and see what has happened as a result of your thinking and your behavior. Because God wants to what? Make a course correction. Who is it talking to? Now, he was talking to the governor and the priest and to a restored community and to encourage them to finish the project of the rebuilding the temple. And God has started a work in your life that he's going to complete it. All you have to do is be obedient and repent of something that's causing it to stop so that it can flow again. I just came through that in an area of my life. Then look at number three. How does it apply to my life? Well, let me give you this. Two things. You don't have to write it down, but I just want you to listen to it. Here are the two things. Here's how it applies to my life, and maybe it applies to yours the same. Don't forget the ultimate to be enslaved by the immediate. There are times when I got so enslaved with the immediate things in my life that I just forgot about God's provision. I tried to solve them on my own. And my well ran dry to the point that I had nothing. Because I forgot about the ultimate, trying to satisfy the immediate. And let me tell you something, the principles are the same in every walk of life. Yours may not be money, it may be something else. But he says, keep your eyes on the ultimate. Here's the second thing, just want to encourage you on. Tending to my things, says the Lord will please me and prosper you. Tending to my things, the Lord says, will please me and prosper you. And as I turn back to pleasing him in that area, the prosperity has already begun in my life. (laughs) It's evident. I'm excited about it. Church, did you get that? The rebuke did not come to you. 
I didn't preach a rebuke to you today. I told you how he rebuked the people. And I wasn't asking you to say that there are things in your life that need to get course corrected. He was correcting them. Okay. And I didn't say that your eyes were off of the ultimate. And you were too much concerned about the immediate. I didn't say that. But I will say this. If that message touched you today in any way, God is asking you to do something before you leave this place. I'm going to open up the altar. I'm not going to even give an altar call. But if there's an area in your life right now where the Father is saying, you know what, it's time for course correction. The word of God comes in deed and in power. And you got to mix works with faith. If you have a faith that God's going to change it, then get up and do something about it. And for some of you in this room today, without anybody watching, nobody going to be looking at you. It's between you and God. You need to get up out of your seat and you need to come down here and do business with God on your knees. And that's your first step of course correction. It's between you and him. Some of you will come. Some of you will not. That's not an issue. But it is a call on your life today. And God is saying, don't play with me on this. Don't play with me on this. This is an opportunity for you to receive my rebuke and my love so that I may correct the course in your life. Now, as we get ready to take up the offering, tithing is important to God. It is a spiritual matter where you become obedient to a measure to where he takes the tenth and he does what? He opens the storehouse for you. He rebukes the devourer and the windows of heaven pour out all that you need and he reverses the curse. That's the tithe. And he also wants you to realize that that measure leads to a model called a sacrifice. There may be a portion that you give that's sacrificial. It's beyond the tithe. It is, I'm just going to do this because I know God's saying that is for me. Jesus sacrificed for me. I'm going to make this sacrificial give it. And the last thing is called the model of what? Being a model for mercy and giving to the poor. Alms. Give it to them. Period. Tithing, offerings, and arms. All that. Is an act of worship. So as we give, let the Holy Spirit move. Father, we thank you so much for this offering. And we ask that your will will be done. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. And while we're taking up the offering, will you be obedient to the Lord and what he's calling you to do to come to this altar. This altar is not there to condemn you. The altar is not there to shine a bright light on you and make you feel bad. The altar is an act of obedience where God meets you. And he, he wants to make sure that you're not afraid of who's watching. He wants to make sure that you're not sitting up there wondering what people think. But that what he thinks is more important. So right after we take up this offering, man, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing. And I'm asking you to come out of your seat and be obedient. 
I stood up here and confessed to you publicly where my stuff was. Okay. 